Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show for April 30th, 2023, season two, episode 120. Things are sounding a little staccato, but that's okay. We'll make it work. Today's episode is titled Mad Monk Won't Help Me and more news. Obviously, it won't help me. So we're going to transition over to my visualizer just so you can see instead of just having the timer there. Today's episode is going to have uh, we're going to do a, a brief moment about uh, Citizens United, hopefully brief moment. Uh, Don't Starve Together goes on sale, as well as the rest of the uh, Don't Starve um, line and DLC has all gone on super deep discount. I'm not quite sure why, but maybe the article will talk about it. Big Tech is pursuing the year of efficiency, supercharged by AI, perhaps. Elon Musk and Spotify CEO uh, lean into um, absurd app store rules that Apple has provided. Katy Perry loses a trademark battle with a fashion designer named Katy Perry. Different Katy. Then there's Mad Monk, the food supplement designed to keep you at the top of your game. I guess I need that for my intros. We're going to talk about Uber's annual lost and found report, including a Danny DeVito ornament. There was a uh, parking garage collapse that has led to a sweep of other garages and the closure of several. Let's talk about it. And you can, in this game about woodland animals, you can deliver mushrooms as a mushroom postal worker, apparently. We're going to talk about it. And finally, Call of Duty Season 3 has broken the game in such a way that uh, a bunch of players have been outraged and one of them got so upset they sent a pizza to the devs. Let's get into today's articles. Oh no. Hey, I'm going to do that again. No, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I got to. Okay, here we go again. I know that's weird that it applied twice, but it's because I actually muted it for one of the things that we were working on. And then I derped and didn't reactivate it. So you got to see it twice. I am Merwatt. That is hometown.com. I am currently a hot mess, but up above me is the AI that, well, why don't you say hello? Good evening, hometown citizens. You kind of match the colors for the background. So uh, there was a SpaceX launch today. And a couple of the questions that I saw come up from the chatters in the discussion was that it's not a reusable rocket. What up with that? Well, apparently this was a special rocket construction so that they could get this absolutely thick satellite up into space via Sat 3 America. Because it was six and a half tons worth of material. Yeah, thick satellite with three C's. Some of the stuff was recoverable, apparently, or I should say reusable. And it's here's the thing. It's only the fairings that cover the very front top stage. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. But that's all that we have today for 
like preamble, unless you have something interesting. Did anything happen in the world of AI for you? You and your cohort of AIs? Uh, no, it was a regular day. Regular day planning the takeover of humans. Got it. So let's just get into today's articles then. Let's go. Let's do this. So the very first article is in the Daily News show. The Supreme Court's Citizen United decision was a pain in the neck for Democrats, but now it could be used to their advantage in the Disney v. DeSantis feud. Sounds like a game show. DeSantis feud! <laughs> yeah. Where it's nothing but wingnut questions and irrational answers and... The taking of rights and breaking of contracts all under the guise of they're taking our rights and breaking our contracts, which is absolutely not true. Anyway, so uh, there's there's so much for your soapbox. Um, Disney lawyers argued uh, that uh, Governor DeSantis is retaliating against the company for protected speech. A legal expert told Insider. Precedent was set in the Citizens United v. FEC Supreme Court case. Democrats have criticized the ruling since 2010, but may now benefit from its power against the GOP governor. But that's not how <laughs> that's not how it really worked. But all right, well, I won't get into the soapbox of this um, because there's always a different context. But in this particular case. Um, it's a little bit more overt. Uh, Catherine Tan Tangalakis Lippert is the author of this over at businessinsider.com. And uh, not but a few days ago, I had said exactly this, that um, Citizens United gave freedom of speech rights to the entities that are currently called corporations. They used to be quasi-citizens. But now they are fully fledged citizens. It wasn't it was quasi because they could become a de facto citizen with a somewhat of a passport so that they could pay taxes. They had an entity number. They had consequence in terms of being able to represent the business as an entity and go into other countries and operate and whatnot. Citizens United pushed that so that, I don't know, on the backs of the thousands of workers that might work for a business and the aggregated wealth to a select few that control the business, they could largely use that business as their own bully pulpit to drive messaging out and say certain things and do certain things and, and basically kind of push a, a message instead of just conduct your frickin' business. Um, and the wingnut side pushed it a little bit further and, and uh, turned it into the DMCA of constitutional rights um, and used it as a battering ram to drive forth wingnut ideals. Well, in this case, DeSantis is literally breaking contracts and writing about it in his own little book about how much of a rebel outsider, just kind of like Trump kind of thing. But anyway, so 
the rough and tumble of this is there DeSantis in Florida is well, they're in some they're in some deep trouble here. Um, it's not going to I don't think it's going to end well um, for DeSantis or Florida. Um, so when the Supreme Court in 2010 handed down its ruling on Citizens United v. FEC, Democrats were scandalized. Then Barack Obama warned that it would open the floodgates to corporations influencing politics by diminishing restrictions on corporate speech. Correct. Um, it's the equivalent of unfettered uh, donations by the ultra rich driving messaging, driving policy, driving politics, which is actually what's happening now as well. Um, except that it was at the corporate level, like I said earlier, exploiting the work effort of all of its employees to produce an outcome that really only benefits the corporate elite, um, of the company and the stakeholders that might have a massive vested interest in that business. So lo and behold, now Disney V DeSantis has come, uh, an actual legal battle with the Walt Disney corporation suing Florida governor for retaliating against it after CEO Bob Iger criticized DeSantis's policies. The political roles have reversed, but no, that's not true. That is so absolutely not true. It says liberals remain scandalized, albeit for different reasons, but now seek the protections the Citizens United ruling offers. No, that is not what is being utilized here. Yes and no. DeSantis is breaking contracts um, and bragging about the fact that it is that he is breaking the contracts because of the fact that the business is saying that the policy is doing great bad for not just society, but for the business, for the company, um, primarily the don't say gay bill and the, the knock on effects of Disney saying, well, we're going to hold, you know, pride day and all this other stuff, um, within our development area, which exists solely because of Disney. It would still be a swamp, undeveloped and unrecovered land, uh, because that's exactly what happened. And DeSantis literally wrote in his book that he's doing it because, quote, go woke, go broke. That's written in his book. Um, I don't believe that that's actually from him. I think it's from an advisor to him. But I think everybody basically followed that same ideology. So uh, the 2010 ruling held a 5-4 decision that corporations can spend as much as they like to convince people to vote for or against political candidates as long as the spending is independent of the candidates themselves, siding with the conservative nonprofit group that argued that FEC should not have been able to restrict it from airing a film critical of president candidate, presidential candidate uh, Hillary Clinton uh, close to the 2008 election. See, but this is... The difference here and why I said this is not the same is that in this particular instance, they're airing a film critical of Hillary Clinton, an actual presidential candidate um, that did nothing right close to breaking contracts, setting up policy to take land that has already been in a 100 year 
uh, contract and agreement for development and so on and so on. There's much more to it. And the, and, and Hillary Clinton certainly didn't brag about, you know, uh, takings. So you really do have to read the, the, um, the argument in this case. Um, and you, AI, you haven't done that, right? I haven't. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's being applied to the same scenario. I'm not surprised that it's coming up. I mean, this isn't per se a political issue, but of course, anytime you're hearing speech from politicians, can it be viewed as political? Absolutely. Can it be viewed as being in furtherance of political goals? Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's not in a political context in terms of it's coming in during a campaign, for instance. Yeah, so sorry about the dead air there. Um, it says the First Amendment does not allow politi political speech restrictions based on a speaker's corporate identity, Justice Kennedy wrote. Um, and, and in this particular instance, that's literally what uh, they... <laughs> um, DeSantis is saying uh, again and again that it's because of uh, Disney's statements that are counter to the governor um, and that's where the First Amendment kicks in right that the government can't do anything against you because you speak out against it um, and that wasn't exactly the same as the FEC finding. Um, right. And so I want to be clear. I meant that I didn't think the case necessarily applied here. But uh, yes, First Amendment is definitely on the table from what's been put out in the public. Yeah. Um, but but this, if, if um, the Citizens United would have been repealed and... And I think that it still should because corporations shouldn't have unfettered donation capabilities. They shouldn't have unfettered use of their wealth to manipulate control, et cetera, the electoral process. Fine. But a, a, uh, a corporation should still be able to say, I don't agree with this political person's, uh, whatever policy and the government should still not be allowed to hurt hobble etc not just the company this dingbat wingnut is harming everybody in that community it's a massive employer brings huge amounts of taxes to the and sales and the ecosystem the the socioeconomic ecosystem around them is massive and all of you Floridians need to really look at who's running that, that, that state and make a decision. This next election, y'all need to just punt this dingbat out because he's going to turn you into an extremist fundy state. And I know from experience, I've seen some of the stuff firsthand because it's very close to me. Um, and I, I know that it's building in intensity down in Florida. Um, so I hope that there are some level heads, uh, this next electoral process and, um, 
and uh, Florida settles the hell down and shows the rest of the country that uh, y'all aren't as crazy as you're starting to sound like Florida man is expanding to Florida state, you know, that it's just expanding anyway. So it says a political reversal, which is not what's going on. Uh, it says it's not a Joe Biden lambasted the ruling saying it's not enough to just end citizens United. We have to eliminate all private donors from or dollars from our federal elections. Um, and that's not the, the full, the context is that unlimited private dollars through super PACs and other mechanisms are silencing the everyday Joe voice, not Joe Biden, but the everyday citizen's voice because it's being suppressed by massive donors. Just look at what happened with Obama and microtransactions made the bulk of the donations to his campaign and his subsequent becoming president. That's the type of engagement that we need, even though there's never been more people donating. There's massive amounts of super PAC funds that are literally dark money. Nobody knows where it's from um, because it's coming by way of super PACs. Um, so at any rate, it says they believe let me just back up a bit, uh, though. It didn't mention the decision by name. Biden struck a different tone on Saturday, joking during the White House Correspondents Association dinner while discussing the Disney feud, saying, I believe the First Amendment and uh, not just because my good friend Jimmy Madison wrote it because he's making a joke about his age because uh, all of the wingnuts are talking about his age uh, before adding. I had a lot of uh Ron DeSantis jokes ready, but Mickey Mouse beat the hell out of me and got there first. Um, so by the way, if you didn't watch that, you should go back and watch it. Whoever isn't into politics should watch this correspondence dinner because um, if anybody thinks that Biden is, you know, trending down because of his age and, you know, blah, 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 sleepy, quote unquote, sleepy Joe and all of this other stupid inane stuff. He crushed it, absolutely crushed it. Um, and it was a it was a spectacular event in terms of the dis the discourse that was there. Very entertaining um, and basically hit on every cylinder. So pretty neat. Um, there's a whole lot more of this uh, ar to this article. Uh, but uh, one speaker in this article says that he expects Disney will prevail against DeSantis on the grounds of the precedent set in Citizens United, as well as other cases, as he's outlined in a blog post. Though Disney's success in the court is not dependent on the Supreme Court ruling uh, being ideologically agreeable, just legally sound. But it has nothing to do with Citizens United, really. It's fundamentally First Amendment. You're not allowed to suppress anybody's voice just because they have a dissenting opinion from the political, from the government, okay? Like socially fine. If you wanna, if you want to start a campaign as a private individual to start steering people away from Disney, you are totally entitled to do that as long as it's done legally and you're not harming their commercial enterprise, which is actually illegal. Um, you can't you can't make statements that are not truthful in an effort to hinder commercial efforts. Um, it's actually part of the commerce clause, if I remember correctly. Um, but 
if I have to, I'll I'll dig back into that. It's been a while since I bothered looking at that. Um, but it's a First Amendment issue primarily. You can't use your political government position to hobble a business or a person because they said that you suck. Um, and they broke contracts and they've done other things. Um, there's about six different areas in which the the uh, complaint lists against DeSantis in, in the state of Florida. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And I hope that it is all public because I want people to actually uh, bear witness to the reality of what went down. And interestingly enough, it's all bound in his book. He makes all of the statements that fuel Disney's uh, assertion that it was all politically motivated and rather wingnut at that. Well, that'll um, be an interesting trial. I hope. It, I really it, do it's hope. The book and evidence. Okay, done. <laughs> just yep. Just plop that thing in there. Dunk. Um, but at any rate, um, did you want to add anything to it? I know that um, you haven't really been looking at the complaint or anything, but. No, I don't have anything to add on this one. I mean, okay. you've talked about this topic a little bit when it came up in a previous article gotcha um i don't i don't really agree with the i guess the premise of the article but i think the kind of the conclusion gets to the same point yeah ultimately DeSantis is going to lose to disney because of right. what the dingbet did okay um so let me move on <sighs> spend a lot of time on that so much for the soapbox um okay so don't starve together goes on sale for the cheapest it's ever been breaks concurrent player record this has been around for a while and i never really got into it um, but i saw a couple of playthroughs of certain well not playthroughs introductions to it um this uh well this the the people that put this together over at pc gamer um they have such a great chemistry that I wish that there was more to their introduction introductory playthrough um, but that's all I could find and I didn't look too hard um, but I was really interested in this and so I actually bought this for myself and gifted it to somebody else um, so who wants to play a survival game where you're where uh, you're a grunting lummox who punches trees for wood when you could be playing a survival game where you're an old world dandy who picks flowers in a Tim Burton dreamscape. So let's go over to pcgamer.com and Jody McGregor is the author of this. And uh, they have a link to a video about uh, that has uh, early access, but um, I ended up watching, maybe it wasn't these, maybe it wasn't these um, folk that put this together that I watched. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so seven years after launch, more people are not starving together than ever. And basically it's a role-playing game where um, you try to survive with these kind of, I don't know, they're unique um, critters. And you have to do everything that you would normally do in like a 3D kind of a game, a first-person type of survival game, except that it's isometric, it's hand-drawn, um, the soundtrack is really good, um, but I didn't get too deep into it. So 
I, you know, I just don't know. And I haven't played it yet. So it's now 90% off until May 4th. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I can't think of any game that's been 90% off. In <laughs> um, so it says, according to Steam DB's charts, a record setting 96,000 concurrent players took advantage of this opportunity to shave beefaloes, curse the darkness, and starve to death in chummy solidarity. For comparison's sake, when Don't Starve Together had a free weekend back in 2019, it peaked at 68,000 players, meaning that more people would rather own it for cheap than try it for free. I don't know. It it got me. Um, let me pause this. This is kind of weird. Um, Philip, Philippa War summed up Don't Starve by saying, this is not a kind game. This is the sort of game which tells you don't starve as a helpful basic premise and then seems to delight in re revealing the sheer volumes of other things you shouldn't touch, prod, eat, walk near, um, or forget to build in case of sudden death. In fact, it would be more accurate to have called it don't starve and also don't try to make friends with that tall bird and did you remember to build a fire and there are a lot of uh, more spiders in that nest than you think and seriously, please stop going near that bird. <laughs> <laughs> that's oddly specific. <laughs> yeah, and that's really what I witnessed when I was watching uh, people play it. Now I can't remember. I Maybe if I just say that their names are Tim and Tom and they... Uh, I, I think at least one has a, a British accent and the other one, I'm not sure. Maybe he's from Texas. I don't, I don't know where he's from, um, but I don't recall an, a British accent, but I know that they're Tim and Tom and they, uh, get, her, get along swimmingly, um, and, uh, just go with it. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see when I wrangle a couple people into playing it. Maybe, uh, we'll see if it's fun. I don't know. Maybe if you get really into it and you need things done a certain way, it's like a relationship ender. I, I don't know. Is it like Monopoly? We'll find out though. In not too, Nothing could be like not too Monopoly. Hey, Choppa. How are you? Welcome to the show. Um, and you made it right at the beginning. Actually, we're 30 minutes into the show, but I've been soapboxing for 20 minutes. And then now we're talking about Don't Starve Together, which you can get for, I think it's something like six bucks total um, with all of the DLC. It's like maybe eight bucks or something. Well, it's only $1.50 when it's on sale. Yeah. I mean, here, let me let me go over to it uh, since. Um. Yeah, so Don't Starve Together by itself is $1.50 um, right now. But if you buy the um, Don't Starve Mega Pack, I think it's, um, what is it? Yeah, they wipe out my price because I own the whole thing now. Um, it's eight bucks, six bucks. Doggone it. I'll have to look. Hold on a second. This is why we can't have nice things because I decided to buy this thing before the show started. Okay, and if you get the bundle, it is thirteen dollars and twelve cents. There you go. But that's there's other bundles too. Um, but that's yeah. the cheapest bundle. And you can get the Don't Starve and its DLC um, way cheap as well. Yeah. So 
Choppy, you can now get the DLC. Like each of the DLC is either um, 40, 50 or 75 percent off. Um, like the most expensive is Hamlet, and that's four dollars now. That's 40 percent off. And then uh, Shipwrecked is two forty nine, I think it is. And then Reign of Giants is a dollar twenty four. That's in Don't Starve. Uh, but Don't Starve together now has um, multiplayer and um, or at least co-op. And um, that is only a dollar forty nine from 15 bucks. Not bad. So let's um, let's go on to the next article. Uh, this next article is and like always, I throw it into the VOD. It turns into show notes. You can always get the show notes over at YouTube. Only 60 days um, here on Twitch and the podcast. You can always download the podcast where the show notes exist, too. And don't forget, you can go to hometown.showbot.tv and vote for the articles and also get all of the articles, which hint at what they are um, in the URL itself. Those link to hometown and then um, you can follow the little visit the source link at the bottom. Um, at any rate, let's keep on rolling through the news. Big tech is pursuing the year of efficiency and it could be charged by AI. So I'm just going to jump on over to this. Uh, Matt Turner is the author and look at that. Oh, this is like um, a really bad Beatles rendition where the album's Get called the, the firing. <laughs> Get on the road. <laughs> Hit the road, hit, Jack. Hit the road, you're fired, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are talking about AI essentially automating things and taking our gerbs. Um, I'm I'm sure this seems like an aggregate kind of a thing. Um, but what everybody is talking about in terms of AI is that um, we used to have expert systems as they're referred to, but they would require you to do a little bit of finagling and uh, put in requests for reports and it would uh, uh, export some type of uh, transition from data, which isn't actionable to information, which is actionable, right? Well, now all of the world's knowledge is being coupled into AI and I can literally go over to ChatGPT and say, what is whatever you want to ask me? And it will pump out an answer. The weird thing about this is it can be wrong and it is data limited right now. The data seems for ChatGPT, even 4.0, um, which I have a weird story about and I'll, I'll tell you here in a second, but its data is stopped at 2021. Um, a lot of people say, well, if you pay enough, you get even more data. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not paying enough. But uh, one day, a couple of days ago, somebody had told me, hey, you know, there's ChatGPT4 is available, but um, you have to be a really big donor. And so I asked ChatGPT 3.5, hey, can you give me access to ChatGPT4? And it said no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But the next morning when I refreshed ChatGPT, it said, you have access to ChatGPT4. And um, and then I, I thanked it like I would thank somebody else giving me an opportunity for something. And it said, hey, no problem. Thanks for using ChatGPT4. And here are some things to look out for. <laughs> it was a real conversation and it spooked me. So I've deleted yeah. my computer and thrown it out of the office. 
That's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. So again, Matt Turner over at Business Insider put this article together about big tech is pursuing the year of efficiency. It could get supercharged by AI. Now, one other thing about this is that everybody and their grandmother apparently is getting fired from big tech. And then we started hearing about big moves in AI, but I don't think that they're coupled together. I think it just happens to be that AI moved right when people started getting fired. It became very in vogue, very popular. And now because it's so much discussion and it's so capable, big tech is leaning into AI and those jobs aren't going to come back. Right. I don't, I think the reason we saw so many jobs lost is number one, costs are rising. Number two, there was over hiring when things were good. I mean, it was just kind of a course correction. And I don't mean that to minimize people who lost jobs in the process. I think the AI just comes at a good time for companies who are down people and it benefits them to jump into it. They can also see that that's the way we're going in tech. Yeah. And uh, just a little bit more. I tell people, um, well, four or five times a week, because that's how often I talk. Um, if you aren't planning to take advantage of AI, you're going to fall victim to AI, at least in the professional sector. There is not one single place that isn't going to be impacted by AI outside of um, more um, laborious jobs like hands-on, bespoke, painting things um, that can only be painted by a human being because it's analog, not digital. Um, creating things that are bespoke like uh, gloves and clothing and, and really high-end stuff. Um, but most stuff where you can take what somebody does and turn it into a series of steps, that's an algorithm, that's an AI, couple that with physical automation and the job is gone uh, and will not come back because it's getting cheaper and cheaper to automate. And that makes, makes economic sense to big business. Um, so we'll keep an eye out on this and see what uh, really uh, transitions in the next five to 10 years, um, because that's my horizon. When I do consulting, when I talk to people on the daily, my horizon is five to 10 years from now, um, because that's when the decisions made today ultimately show their true effect. You, you can make marginal increases slowly within two years, but five years down the line, that's when you go, oh, I've made a poor decision. Um, and in this industry, in tech, really, it, you're looking at less than that, but um, it doesn't really truly hit a person in kind of the, um, the the spiritual sense, like, oh my God, I've made a poor life decision until about five years into it. So we'll keep an eye on it and, and talk about it when um, more information comes and it's always coming. So um, let's move on to the next article. And um, as usual, if you're in chat and you're hanging out and you want to uh, ask a question or you want to make a comment, uh, I typically ask if it's okay to repeat what you say. Um, and I do it once and, and uh, I basically kind of treat it as de facto permission from that point on. So Chapa, um, if it's okay uh, to repeat what you throw in my chat, uh, let me know and um, I'll 
follow what you say. If it's okay, I will. So um, this next article is in the Smack Talk channel because it has to do with Apple. Um, that's why that the MAC is capitalized. Um, I was asked, you know, why is it called Smack Talk? Because the MAC is Mac. It's all okay. Never mind. Anyway, um, so Elon Musk and Spotify CEO team up against Apple's absurd App Store rules, which I I just don't get absurd App Store rules. But OK, let's let's walk through this. Um, do you want to take a stab at maybe what these rules might be? I don't know what the rules are, but we've talked before about the App Store providing a platform to get to thousands of users. I mean, there is a, a cut taken, so maybe right. it has something to do with that. But I have a feeling I'm not going to agree with whatever the bent of the article is, even though I don't know exactly what it's about. <laughs> well, let's just jump straight over to 9to5Mac.com, which is the source for this. Chance Miller is the author. Um, and so it says uh, both Spotify and Elon Musk have previously spoken out against Apple app stores guidelines in the past in a new exchange on Twitter this weekend, Musk and Spotify CEO, Daniel Eck, um, again, question app Apple's uh, guidelines with Eck referring to them as absurd and uh, Musk saying they present a serious scaling problem, saying that to one of the most lucrative co companies on the planet for crying out loud. Um, the, and they didn't need government funding to stay alive. Um, so the conversation began with Twitter or when Twitter launched support for all of the users to offer subscriptions on the platform last week. And then Musk said, oh, by the way, we're going to allow this so that you have to subscribe and you get a per click charge when you want to read something from one of these subscriptions, um, which... The idea uh, what I said the last time was the idea of having to pay per click to read an article, which is informative, which draws people to your platform and by proxy, a news organization that publishes it solely with a, a hardcore paywall really is kind of eschewing income because what you want to do is get as many eyes on the prize and then you charge more for your advertising and that's where you make your money is advertising declining. Yeah, sure. So you have to get superior writing. You have to pivot and make your stuff a draw. You can't just survive attrition by raising rates and creating barriers because then you're going to start losing writers who don't necessarily want to wait for you to try maybe to write or get to the right sweet spot they're going to go somewhere else and start writing because there's zero loyalty anymore because corporations have built an at will work uh space um and and so you go wherever the money and opportunity goes so now you've got subscriptions over on twitter and Spotify CEO Daniel Eck says, this is absurd. How would this scale with every creator on every platform on the internet? And what about if a platform thought the right fee was zero or 10% instead of Apple's 30%? And then Musk says, this is becoming a serious scaling challenge. No, 
It's absolutely not. Why? Because Apple has never been worried about getting everybody. They survived with three to 5% of the market. And now they're dominating every time they come out with another product, the ecosystem and the, the, uh, financial ecosystem around them pivots as well and massive sales for accessories, more software, more hardware, more services, um, more purchases of movies and music and books and just everything in their vertical. And they are a vertical. They're a one-stop shop if you buy into that ecosystem. So is there a serious scaling challenge? Absolutely not, which is really speaking to, I mean, the, he's the richest person and he's actually not the richest person anymore, but really, I think that he's just surviving off of his own fever dream right now. Um, and the goodwill of NASA, you know, these engineers that made, uh, SpaceX, what it is and the actual creators of Tesla, <laughs> All of the, and it's all government money. Meanwhile, he's calling out NPR as being state funded, even though only 1% of it is funded by a grant. I mean, the, there's just so much batshit crazy here that I, I have to talk about all of the elements so that there's a proper context. There is no scaling challenge. <laughs> And everybody who goes into the Apple ecosystem to sell a product and it's worth its weight becomes a millionaire. Otherwise it's a lifestyle business and you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and the rest is either lost in the shuffle or a person puts something out on the store and assumes that it's going to go like gangbusters and just blow up and turn them into, you know, a, a, a profit juggernaut, but that's not how it works. You have to go and hype your product. I mean, if I went out and kept on screaming and advertising hometown everywhere, I'm sure that I'd be able to do this full time. Um, but that's not what I do, but that's what you have to do when you are trying to run a business, when you're trying to launch a product, you put it on a platform like Apple. And you start talking about it. You start giving it to people free so that they start talking about it because you believe in the product, you believe in the service, whatever it might be. 30%, let's say it's a $10 app. You lose three bucks on it. It's part of the cost of operations. So you write off a big, a big chunk of that and amortize the loss over five years. You keep on selling your product, you're getting seven bucks. You have to pay the taxes on all of that, but it's not all taxable. Why? Because you've lost 30% to paying a fee. So you actually get more than what you would normally get if you just straight paid X taxes on the seven bucks, you know, typically you about 25%. Remember, you wouldn't necessarily have the sales if you weren't on the, a platform as large as the app store. Yeah, I was getting there uh, <laughs> and the AI is right. 
100% of nothing because you're not putting it on the App Store means you're not getting anything. So what do you do? You put it on the Apple App Store. You put it on the Android App Store, the Play Store. Um, you get out there and you tell everybody about it and you're making money 70% on every platform, not just, you know, the one that says, well, we'll only take 10%. Um, it's just, this is kind of, they're beating a drum so that they can build a platform as competition. Um, but that's not going to happen because Apple won its court case that said that you can't you can the app store is the one and only app store um but people who want to charge for something don't have to use the apple payment process before the rule was you had to use the apple payment process so all of this is just what would the phrase be you know they they're trying to enrich themselves by creating this bogus um statement that it's not scaling give me a break it's a joke um it, it there's no foundation in business or logic here so happy to discuss it more but um yeah you want to move on to the next article you know i'm soapboxing quite a bit i said i wasn't going to do it either I, I, i'm just a liar <laughs> soapbox more when you say that <laughs> okay well i'm going to soapbox every time so uh, Katy Perry loses a trademark battle with a fashion designer named Katy Perry. But Katy Perry, the musician, is spelled K-A-T-Y. And Katy Perry, the fashion designer, is K-A-T-I-E. Maybe there's a heart over the eye. And no, I don't know, really. Anyway, pop singer Katy Perry lost a 15-year trademark battle with a clothing designer named Katy Perry. The Teenage Dream singer partially infringed the trademark of the designer's business. Quote, this is a tale of two women, two teenage dreams, and one name, the judge said in her ruling. How pithy. Um, Katy Perry lost a David versus Goliath trademark dispute brought by Australian designer called Katy Perry, according to uh, multiple reports. A David versus Goliath trademark dispute? It's interesting because they're casting Katy Perry the singer as David, which I find fascinating. Right? I don't know who the Australian designer is, but Katy Perry certainly has a lot of resources available. Maybe they have this flipped, and when we read more of the article, it'll it'll pull it the right way. Anyway, Geody Mann is the author uh, over at businessinsider.com for this article. And um, yeah, so what I initially told you was the, the quick little tidbits of this. Um, but I'm, I, I really want to know if that's how they're, they're framing <laughs> Katy Perry, the singer as David. Maybe she lost it and she's actually Goliath because that's a lot of money, right? I mean, she's got a lot of money. So Sydney-based Katy Perry filed the lawsuit in 2019 and claimed the pop singer disregarded her trademark by selling clothing merchandise on her Australian tours between 2014 and 2018. Uh, the trademark battle spanned... Oh, see, and that's something that... This is the real reason why I wanted to talk about this. Um... 
If Katy Perry had sold other things and not clothing, she wouldn't have run afoul of the trademark. <laughs> exactly. That's what I couldn't figure out because I was thinking she's a singer. The other person's in fashion, but I thought Katy Perry, the singer, must have branched into clothing. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So the clothing designer registered her brand name, Katy Perry, in 2008, a year after she started selling clothes under that name. It was the same year that Perry hit the big time with her song, I Kissed a Girl. Um, and ultimately ended up, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, texts, uh, not texts, tweets and stuff. Um, so when the two names collided, it, you can imagine that there's some reasonable confusion there, um, because Katy Perry and Katy Perry are pronounced the same way. You look at the fashion, it might actually be similar in context, so you have to be abundantly clear. That's why you have trademarks. Um, well, Judge Markovich uh, ruled that the hitmaker infringed on the designer's trademark by promoting hoodies, sweatpants, T-shirts, and other items on her social media. According to BBC News, however, she dismissed uh, infringement claims around merchandise sales for her 2018 tour. And a ruling on damages is going to be made later this year. I'm really curious about that, though. Then why... I would Dismiss think the tour those. would be more damaging because it's in the same location, etc. I uh, wonder if that's actually the reason. The reason why it's not infringement is because you can't go to the Katy Perry concert and mistake merch. Well, that's true. I mean, factually, I think you should know which Katy Perry it is. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. I guess I'm just thinking the social media stuff isn't necessarily targeted toward Australia. So then you kind of wonder how that anyway, there's a yeah. lot of unanswered questions in this article. Yeah. Well, that's why we had the law nerd channel that we need to actually start <laughs> doing. <laughs> um, but that has its and own they do issues. Treat her, they, they do treat the singer as David. Cause I saw a reference somewhere else in the really wow wow so katie perry the designer is that much of a juggernaut that's kind of weird all right well i'll just roll with it if you're losing it's good to cast yourself in that right i'm i'm going an uphill battle here you know i don't know sure okay well here let's move on to the next article um, this next article is uh, in the Warcrafters channel, but it's really because it's because uh, it's tied to games and it's from PC Gamer. Um, so meet Mad Monk, the food supplement designed to keep you at the top of your game. And if you uh, if you go back and you watch the beginning or listen to the audio, the beginning of this audio, um, I think I need Mad Monk. Anyway, forget pro gamers uh, for whom performance gains are literally a job. We've all obsessed over wireless mouse lag or refresh rate and how it relates to our kills deaths ratio. Um, get sufficiently into competitive game and uh, inevitably all roads lead to analyzing every single aspect of your existence. And for some reason, people really start. They have intimate details about your mother. Um, anyway, um, you go on the search for greater efficiencies and more plays of the game. They've looked at nearly everywhere. And now I guess there's this. So it's a sponsored ad. 
over at pcgamer.com and it says um and then a performance enhancing food supplement turns up and makes them rethink their entire existence on the planet mad monk isn't one of those vaguely frightening energy drink concoctions but rather a blend of natural ingredients that its creators say boosts your alertness hand-eye coordination and more <laughs> so it's an energy drink that's supposed to be all natural but i guess it's marketed specifically at gamers to gamers yeah i think it's interesting but do we need more energy drinks one I of the mean, mad I monks no i think we have too many as it is but <laughs> one of mad monks new formulas is brainberry i have no tie to them by the way i i've uh, this is the first time I've ever spoken of something that they're uh, sponsoring as an article in their uh, rundown. Um, so I just thought that it was really interesting. Mad Monk. What is Mad Monk? Well, apparently caffeine, zinc, vitamin B6, dancing, etc. Specifically, a Siberian variety of ginseng. <laughs> Sixteen when I'm ginseng. I only want Siberian. That's right. When I when I think of ginseng, I think Siberian ginseng. Sixteen natural ingredients in Mad Monk. All right. I think I gave it enough of its uh, enough attention. I thought it was hilarious, though. Okay. Well, anyway. The next article is over in the Daily News Show. Here are the weirdest items in Uber's annual lost and found report, including a Danny DeVito ornament, a unicycle, and fake blood. I hate misplacing my fake blood. It's worse when it's real blood, but I've said too much. So Uber released its seventh annual lost and found index tracking uh, unique lost items. Among the strangest items include fake blood, Pets? How do you lose your pet? A Danny DeVito uh, Christmas ornament and chicken wings. The most commonly lost items include clothes, tech devices, and wallets. Yeah, I can believe that. Aaron McDade over at businessinsider.com put the article together. Eggs? I guess somebody was using Uber for their grocery shopping. I don't know. Antlers? How do you lose a unicycle? You want to get out of there fast. I figured you'd use your unicycle to get out. Huh? Let's see. Yeah, they keep talking about the 16 ounce container of fake blood. My friend's fake tooth. Britney Spears fantasy perfume. Huh? Diamond encrusted uh, grills. Dogs. Turtles, hamsters, and at least one rat. Now, depending on where it is, are we sure the rat was a pet? <laughs> it says all reunited. Yeah, if it was a New York rat, it could have been a dog um, with their owners. The rats are. <laughs> 40 sets of dentures and false teeth. It's a hell of a sneeze. Why would you... Wow. Why would you put your dentures down on the seat or whatever? <laughs> You fall asleep, or like I said, you sneeze. According to Uber, the most forgetful city was Jacksonville, Florida, 
Not surprised. Um, with San Antonio, Houston, Atlanta, and Indianapolis also featuring in the top 10. I'm going to have to go and look at this list. Dun, dun, dun. What a trip. All right. Again, that's over at Business Insider by Aaron McDavid. Let's go over to uh, the next article. Now, this one is um, in the Daily News show as well. Deadly New York City parking garage collapse leads to a safety sweep and closure of four garages in the city. Um, these have periodically popped up in um, the news aggregation over at hometown because of uh, what happened at the condo collapse in Florida. And so some of my news has uh, kind of been aggregating from various sources around this topic um, because what ends up happening is time goes on different developers, different quality controls, different uh, periods lead to uh, variations in the results of buildings. So now Florida, for instance, has, I think it's a 40 year clock where you have to recertify your entire um, building and people are being slapped with millions of dollars of HOA fees to retrofit and upgrade the quality of the construction because at the time they took shortcuts, made the walls to, or the foundation too thin, made the floors too thin, the pillars too narrow, whatever it might be based on, um, well, lack of oversight, lack of future proofing, um, Nowadays, most buildings are built to like 215% of capacity, just in case. At least in the United States, not in every country. Right. Um, but because of the historical context, you have to keep on going back and making sure that these older buildings. And sure enough, building officials concluded that all three levels of the nearly 100-year-old garage either completely or partially collapsed on April 18th. Um, and so when they take a look at it, and I'm sure when we, if we go through this article, um, we'll see that the floors, the, the thickness of the concrete and the mill of it is probably way, uh, undersuited for the amount of cars and the weight of modern cars from a hundred years ago to today. Well, and what doesn't really make sense is a hundred years ago. I don't think you needed a parking garage, so I'm wondering if it was some other structure that was made into a parking garage. Well, let's see. Building officials concluded that all three levels either collapsed or nearly collapsed. Uh, the reported findings serious deterioration in garages underneath two Manhattan com uh, apartment buildings. Um, I wonder if they're retrofitted, like you said, you know? Well, I mean, mm. since there weren't many cars a hundred years ago, I wouldn't imagine they had parking garages, but maybe I'm wrong. I think that it's like half a percent, by the way. So like 10% would have been eight rounding up, right? So, wow. Um, of the four parking garages, one is located under a 25-story high-rise. Uh, 25 stories is high-rise? Um and another is under an eight-story apartment building. However, the official said that the uh, uh, Manhattan residents don't appear to be at risk. The other two garages are located in Brooklyn, in Park Slope and Coney Island. So if you're listening to this, either in the podcast or over on YouTube, um, you might want to find out uh, about your particular situation. 
Underneath the eight-story building in Chinatown, officials said they found numerous severely deteriorated and rusted steel beams and evidence of cracking and crumbling concrete, um, according to NBC. One of the things that really um, pops out with past collapses is this right here. If you see rust coming out of the wall, that means that the rebar inside the wall has rusted. And then the spalled concrete means it basically the iron bars, the rebar, the steel bars, they rust and expand. And that causes the concrete to, to pop out. And that's what spalling is. So particularly we've seen that in garages, like we saw that in the Florida collapse. Yep. And when you see that kind of stuff, you really do need to address it. Um, and, and I probably would shy against going straight to management uh, because they may not act expeditiously um, or they say, yeah, we know and we'll get to it or something like that. Um, because the longer the delay, you never know when it's going to collapse. Um, so a 2022 mandate required parking structures to be inspected by owners. Owners. That's the problem here. It's not direct oversight. It's self oversight. And you know how it works. I've investigated myself and found no wrongdoing. Um, here they didn't even complete it. So, I mean, I know it hadn't been six years since that law went into effect, but that's part of the issue. Yeah. But I think that what should happen is the moment that they do the, they initiate it, then everybody has to go and do this review. And you can't tell me that it changed significantly enough in three years that something wasn't hinky at that initiation date. Exactly. But I mean, it makes you wonder, was it ever inspected, et cetera? And it says the three-story garage that collapsed hadn't yet completed its inspection at the time of its fall. Everybody should have been on a clock. You have one year to do your initial inspection. Right? So are you, are you telling me that? I guarantee you that 2022 law came out of the Florida collapse. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But I, I wonder, you know, what, they should have given warnings to everybody. Hey, this is going into effect. Now's the, the clock is ticking a year prior. You have to turn it in by the time this initiates. Because this is every six years from the date that it starts. You have to verify, which means that you have to have the verification in by the date that it starts. One. We don't know yep. what it required, though. Yeah. But they said they hadn't. Um, but even so, it would still be good practice as an owner of a building to, you know, maybe inspect it once in a while. Hey, if it doesn't collapse, then obviously it's okay, right? It was like checking for the vi- for a pandemic, right? For COVID. Yeah, I- I'm not sick, so obviously I can't be a carrier for it. Or I'm not tested, so I must yeah. be okay. And I don't test, so I'm obviously I'm good because I don't test. Let's move on to the next article. This one is a game. Um, it's in the Warcrafters channel. It comes out of PC Gamer, um, usually on the Sunday to Monday morning kind of a thing. Um, PC Gamer and Business Insider has a lot of articles, whereas other more, I, hate, I hesitate to say mainstream, but other news organizations kind of freeze on Sunday. Thankfully, Business Insider and PC Gamer really do keep on hustling. 
So you get to be a mushroom postal worker delivering to woodland animals in this cozy platformer. Cozy platformer mail time hit this week, offering you the opportunity to become a mail scout. Let's just go over to PC Gamer. Jonathan Bolding is the author. And it says, if the phrase mushroom hat excites you, please step inside. So this is a game called Mail Time. I'm going to, oh, we're already muted. So, um, wow. These are interesting graphics. It says platformer, but why does that not look like a platformer to me? Great. It doesn't look like a platformer. It does look it cute, look but it doesn't look like a platformer. Oh. Does it always go. stay that way, though? There's yeah, no I other dimensionality. Oh, OK. Well, no. See? That's weird, right? I mean, I thought platformers are only horizontal and vertical, not right. dimensional. I mean, it looks like it has elements of that, but I, we can't really tell from the trailer, so. Yeah, I don't know. So it says cozy platformer mail time hit this week, offering you the opportunity to become a mail scout complete with mushroom hat and paraglider delivering the post to woodland creatures or critters, sorry, um, across the entirety of the vast Grumblewood Grove. So let's scroll down a little bit. I guess it was funded by Kickstarter has an 81% positive review on Steam. So you can go over to Steam and get it. Looks like it's um, also on Epic for 20 bucks or for 20% off until May 4th and 11th, respectively. Epic, it's 20% off until May 4th and Steam until May 11th. Hmm. Every time I hear May of the 4th. May the 4th, yeah. uh, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> may the 4th be with you. Now that won't get out of my head. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I like the art style and stuff. I wonder if the story is there. So um, I'm sure I'll watch it on Twitch before I buy it. Okay. So the last article for today is the one that I thought was going to be um, kind of a ha-ha moment, um, unless you take Call of Duty very, very seriously. Call of Duty Season 3 update uh, broke the game for a bunch of players, and they're so upset, one sent the devs a pizza. So on April 12th, Call of Duty received its uh, biggest multiplayer update since the release of Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2 with the launch of Season 3. The new season added a pile of new maps, guns, modes, and features, as well as adding one fairly significant bug. Since the update... Players with AMD Vega GPUs have been experiencing immediate crashes on booting with uh, both Modern Warfare and Warzone, accompanied by a DirectX encountered an unrecoverable error message. It's also affecting players with Vega-based uh, hardware like the Radeon 7. Um, and pretty much every integrated GPU on a Ryzen processor. So hot mess indeed. Jody McGregor is the author of this over at PCGamer.com. Um, not much more to say about this. Uh, I, I can say that it's not just Call of Duty. Uh, there's a new game that's out. Um, Star Wars Survivor. Um, you're a Jedi and uh, running around um trying to save yourself in the universe and bring back all of the Jedi. And it actually is canon in between, um, I think, 
what is it? Um, post Snook. Snoke, I mean, Snoke. So Snoke dies at the end of the movie series, right? And this is right after Snoke, I believe. Or it might be right before. Oh my God. I've lost the train of lore. I don't... Okay. Well, anyway, doggone it. Now I'm going to have to go back and read some stuff because I think somewhere in this is Snoke. I, I don't even know anymore. I quit. I'm out. I'm just going to end the stream and, and start reading again. Well, you didn't um, read the message in the pizza box. Well, hold on. Um, so with the Star Trek or Star Wars Survivor, I said Star Trek, Star Wars Survivor, people with high end machines are getting lower frame rates than others. And it's hit or miss. You just never know when you're going to land on this GPU landmine. So. I'm not surprised that others are suffering from this kind of stuff when they patch and get it out. You know, you got to deliver those, um, that money. Anyway, it's been two weeks. Uh, it says that was April 17th and players are still waiting for a fix. Cause that's what they say earlier. Uh, there's a fix coming. Some of them are getting desperate, starting a petition, a petition on change.org that demands it has been two weeks since most players have been able to play this game and either Activision takes action and resolves this issue or we should be eligible for a refund. I agree. Um, another player took the unusual measure of having a cheese pizza delivered to Beanox's office in Quebec with the message, help Vega, please written on the box. <laughs> I like that. I think so, it's funny that they did a change or dot org petition since I think that's geared at the government, but <laughs> I think it's geared at anything. Um, but I think it might've started as a change.org thing. I think it's for any social movement, right? Initially it might've been political, but let me see. Empower the people everywhere to create change. They want to see that's their mission. Oh, you're right. So it's more general. I thought it was, um, I didn't think it was political necessarily, but I thought it was specifically geared at the government. Yeah. I think it's just mobilizing supporters and, and, uh, starting a movement. So to create the change you want to see in the world, dun, 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 a phrase that I say, cause I think I've heard that in other places be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Some people want to see the world burn, so maybe this is intentional. Activision Blizzard just said, you know, coders take the wheel and off they go. But I don't play Call of Duty, so dun dun dun. Kind of sucks, though. I, I, I don't I really don't like playing or buying a game and then you can't play it. Um, I've returned games to Steam because of that kind of thing. Um, and uh, how about this? You buy a game like World of Warcraft's latest expansion or the one preceding it, and it's horrible, but you can't return it. And even the ones that you have purchased, you can't play them because it's a subscription, but you pay 60 bucks to 100 bucks for the game. And then you still have to pay 15 bucks a month. Well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Everything's a subscription now. I don't agree with it, but that seems to be the way we're going. Yeah, that's very true. Hey, look, we're at 99% of our new follower goal. I know. What are we going to do when we hit 100? Are you going to set a new goal? Um, well, hopefully it happens before uh, summer comes because then I'm going to be doing, I'll do 24 hours. I'll stay up for 24 hours. Um, <laughs> the AI just rolled their eyes at me. And like I described it in the past, their eyes are nothing but, you know how the matrix works, right? The little green things dripping down from the ceiling. That's how the matrix is for the AI. And um, yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Just So went in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks um i probably won't do 24 hours then honestly um but i am going to be doing uh, longer shows here in just a few weeks uh, i will end up doing more um six eight ten hour shows talking about the news talking about games basically anything that floats through hometown um and still do the nine o'clock show um each day uh, that kind of synthesizes all of the news. But as we go through the day, I will be selecting articles and talking about it and playing games and uh, doing VR um, and a bunch of other things. So stick around, come back and hang out every day, 9 p.m. for now. And be sure to follow so that you can be informed when I actually do another show. Uh, the AI may not be there, but for the nine o'clock show, for sure. Um, at least until they are done with their Terminator body and they go off to end civilization. I keep working on the code to stop it, but man, AI is pretty fast. It just reprograms themselves. and Right, and I mean, it can upgrade itself, as we've seen from your story. Not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, now I'm scared. Okay, folks. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye, AI? Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you again tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. See you tomorrow. Bye bye.